This is a test of the Boundary Park Alert System. Hello and welcome to episode 51 of the Boundary Park Alert System with me, Matt Dean. I'm joined on the Sunday after the Saturday before with Andy, or by Andy. And Steve, how are you doing, Andy and Steve? All right. Uh, a bit jaded, if I'm honest. Yeah, me too, definitely. Day on the sauce yesterday. And uh, yes. the night before and all, to be honest, I was at the evening with Joe Royal and Andy Ritchie at St Anne's Rugby Club on Friday. Had a few scoops. And we were up bright and early for the uh, Rochdale game. Out again. And uh, had a great day, to be perfectly honest, yesterday. Ended up in Tara Leisure. Shoreside, as it's as it's now known, I'd not been there for a long time. Met it's up nice, with uh, met up with some old old friends that I've not seen for ages. Jonesy, who's a Latics fan, and uh, rather deliciously Phil, who's a Rochdale fan. So that was uh, that was <laughs> that was nice. Yeah, it was. Uh, it we 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 were both there, Steve, weren't we? We we had a few pints together after the game, and it was uh, yes. it was talking it was, uh, coherently and uh, yeah, making a lot of sense. I'm sure. I've just that was my mum coming in to tell me she's going out. I'm not quite sure why she needed to tell me. You know, I don't know, and we'll go. Um, yeah, so let's talk about yesterday. We were there, Steve. It was cracking atmosphere, wasn't it? Latics fans did themselves really proud again. Um, yeah. Obviously, we're getting a bit of a reputation now because there was quite a lot of uh, riot control police down in front of the stand, which seemed a little bit over. A little bit overzealous, didn't it? But um, it did. yeah. What I did you make of um, today's? Let's talk about the performance first of all on the on the pitch. What did you make of the game? I thought it was a bit scrappy, or very scrappy, to be honest. I thought that I thought that we looked pretty tidy. I thought we looked organised. I thought McGay played well. They played really well. I think he definitely showed things up. We made Pierre Gianni look uh, a better player, definitely. Um, because he seemed to be the one who was doing the organising, which I don't really trust Pierre Gianni doing, if I'm, if I'm being honest. So I thought, I thought it, it was probably the standout. I thought Luke Wyler was, was, was good. He was steady. Got to give a shout-out to Benny Coutor. Yeah, yeah, he was superb. Yeah, He was brilliant, um, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he looks like a real prospect, to mm. be honest. Uh, it was a moment of, moment of quality. They won the game, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, where, we were stood, where we were sat, like, it was one of those where... The moment it left his foot, you were up. <laughs> you could just see it yeah. was going in. It was it was a great finish. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought the atmosphere was superb. Um, I thought it was a, it was a it was a gritty performance. I thought we did what we did what we needed to do. You know, and let's let's be let's be brutally honest. Like we needed the points, didn't we? Desperately needed the points. And it's also nice to beat your local rivals at the same time, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. It's a, a cracking day. How this should be. Yeah. It was very much five at the back, wasn't it? It was a back. It was like we need to shore up. We need to stop conceding goals. Five across the back, then Whelan and Diara centre mid, um, and then the three lads up top. I thought Hallam Hawk worked worked really hard yesterday. Did a lot of running. Did a lot of chasing down. The team looked like a different. They looked like a different kind of attitude because what I was, I was talking to somebody on the way down. 
to the ground and I was saying, look, the, the the bare minimum I expect today is that team needs to look up for it. Local derby, they've got a scrap for everything. They've got to get stuck in. They've got to want to win the game in a way that they didn't look like they wanted to at Leighton Orient, which is the last game I saw. And at least that, that did happen. I was a bit concerned by Bahambula's fitness levels come the end of the game. He looked absolutely dead on his feet. He managed to find the energy to celebrate down at the front with the fans after, but... He looked knackered. He didn't look like he had any running left in him for quite a long, quite a long time. Talk yeah. like the last twenty minutes of the game or something. Didn't really come off for him yesterday, did it? I don't think. No. Trying stuff and yeah, you just losing possession or just not quite working out for him, was it? I don't think. But but yeah, he, he looked absolutely knackered by the yeah. end of it. Yeah, and like you know, when we've got such a such a small number of players available. We, you know, the fitness needs of those that are available needs to be needs to be right up there, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Maybe he needs to do a bit more work on his like in his legs. <laughs> I noticed his legs yesterday. I mean, he's very he's very lanky and he's gangly. Um, he's he's not he's not got much in the way of muscle in his thighs, has he? You know what yeah. I mean? Maybe he needs to sort of beef himself up a bit and get a bit more kind of bit, a bit more power um, physically. Um, yeah. Maybe there's just a few little bits that he needs to add to his to his physique and to his game in order to make him the the player that he, he he potentially could be. But, you know, that's just being hypercritical. Yeah. Yesterday was like, we needed it. And it was a massive sense of relief and there was a massive sense of joy at the end to, to have won the game. But mainly just that was, it was relief. And it was just nice to have something like that to celebrate after what's yeah. been a really abysmal start to the season. Yeah. I, I think after Tuesday, you know, we needed a, a response that you know we needed we need like you say we needed the players to look out of them and I think that they, to be fair to them they did they did turn up yesterday they didn't hide um and um yeah it was a it was a it was exactly the sort of performance that that we needed I think so yeah good uh good good three points on the road and like I say the fans were the fans were unbelievable absolutely unbelievable from start to finish and I think that well, I think what what impressed me was I, if I'm honest, I was a bit nervous before the game because I, I, we'd obviously heard, you know, people sort of saying, "Oh, yeah, you know, we're going, we're going to go on the pitch and all that kind of stuff," which makes you a bit twitchy because we have built up a lot of goodwill over the last few weeks with the way with the way that we've gone about everything. And I think that um, when we when we turned up to the ground yesterday at about sort of half two, twenty five to three, and you were queuing around the corner. Weren't they? You know, they, they, they only, Rochdale had only opened three turnstiles, so we ended up sort of not getting in for the start of the game. So that kind of kiboshed the the fourth minute um, that we had planned. And you know, I, I did actually speak to the police on the day, and I just said, you know, I said I'm a bit worried about this. To be honest, I said because you, people aren't going to be happy, you know, queuing up to sort of get in. Um, and it did make me a bit twitchy, but the the, the behaviour of supporters, you know, by and large, was unreal. You know, they made a load of noise for the entire game and, and you know, we just showed yet again what a fantastic fan base we've got. It's unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely, Steve. Um, and it is an incredible fan base. And, like, at half-time, <laughs> all the smoke bombs were like stank under there. We drank the bars clean out of booze. Um, no lager left, no cider left. Cracking atmosphere, smoke, singing. I'm like, it was nil nil, and we were bottom bottom of the league with <laughs> yeah. with four points. You know what I mean? And it was just like, just you just never would have known 
No. We might as well have been top of the league from the fans at half time. It was just unreal. And that carried on in the stands. You know, people have often been critical of the, us on the podcast for not talking about the positives. But, you know, last season, the microphone, microphone cut off. We, can I just inform the listeners that we're having the most ridiculous amount of technical problems this morning? <laughs> um, yeah, so imagine if we'd been yeah. top of the league. Imagine, like, I find it just okay. incredible, really, that, that our yeah. fans are still, with everything that's going on, able to to put on a performance. And let's just, you know, you talk about I mean, teams having to put on performances, but our fans put on a performance yesterday that was just second to none. And I was talking to Phil, yeah. the lad that I met last night in, in the show side, who's not a fan, he said, look, there's no set of fans, really, to be honest, that compares to your lot when you come to Rochdale. Like... You know, you yeah. just every every single time it's just it blows everybody else out of the water, and you know we can like you say we can be proud of ourselves. And what was really really, we could see Abdallah in the stand across the way um, from where we were sitting, and he was sat directly opposite all that. There's no doubt that we got behind the team. I know that's what I was saying before. My thought, train of thought about um, being positive and not being negative. Last season, obviously, we couldn't do any of this. There was no fans to talk about. Mm. And that is such a positive. It's such a highlight. And we've got it again this season now. So we can be a credit to ourselves. And like you were saying earlier on, the way that things have been since you know, the, 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 the on-field stuff, and the, the, the it, it grabbed the attention of the Nationals, didn't it? It, it, it grabbed the attention of talk sports, sky sports, all that stuff. And it, and it did what it needed to do. And now we've got it back to the point where we have to behave in a certain way. And it seems to be that the energy is, there's no question it was behind the team yesterday. There's no question it would have helped the players yesterday with that kind of atmosphere, that kind of backing. Yeah. Interesting to know what Abdallah made of it as he was sat directly opposite looking at us all. I wonder if there was a sense of pride in him or if it was just, I wonder how he felt. It'd be nice to know, actually. It'd be nice for him to come out and tell us how he felt because the, I just texted one word after the game yesterday. I've tweeted one word and I was proud. I was proud of the fans. I was proud to be in there with those fans yesterday. I was proud that we'd played our part and that we'd got a win. And there's and it's nice to have those moments. There's a, lot, there's a long way to go. We're, we're, yeah. we're definitely not out of the woods. But proud to back that team when we get the opportunity, when we get a performance that's worth cheering about. Or half worth, you know, it wasn't the best performance ever, but it was it it was it was enough to get behind. It was enough to applaud the victory at the end of the. And we've been missing that, like when when the the team left the pitch against Leighton Orient, it was just like that was just. And I, I know you were at Brentford, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's a big difference in it. And you're not gonna you're not gonna carry that through, are you? You're not gonna carry the resentment or the, the the frustration or the annoyance from the Brentford game through to the Rochdale game if they give a performance you're only as good as your last game is the old saying isn't it so you'll get behind it yeah. won't you and it's up to them lads now to show what they're made of and and, and put in performances isn't it and, yeah and I think that like it's not about you know this this all harks back to that this isn't about results is it you know we're not doing this because we're losing on the pitch you know, like you, you can see the atmosphere yesterday. Like you say, we're bottom of the league and we're singing our hearts out. You know, and it, and the atmosphere was electric on it. It was, it was, it was amazing. So it, it's not, it's not that. You know, we've 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 been doing this for years. Where you know, I mean, <laughs> there's been loads of times when you know you, you're on the minibus, the minibus on the way back from wherever you just got pumped away from home, and you're like, are you going on Tuesday night? 
and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm going on Tuesday night. You know, it's never deterred us from doing what we're doing. You know, it's not about that. And still, even though we, even though you know the last games that I've seen, you know, have been four nil and seven nil. I still woke up yesterday morning with a like, ex- I was excited. I wa- I wanted to get to the game. I wanted to see my mates, and 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 that that's what it is all about. You know, the stuff that's going on off the pitch. You know, not, nothing changes that. You know, and, and I think you could even see when when we scored the goal yesterday. You know, one of the first songs it was sung straight after after scoring the goal was Abdallah out. And to be honest, I'm I'm glad he was there to hear it. I'm glad that there was that that it was it was largely positive getting behind the team, but there was still that 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 just that little reminder to him that this doesn't change anything. By the way, you know, like you we still want you gone. But but I think it was I think it was done in the right way. It wasn't it wasn't you know it wasn't a toxic atmosphere. It was it was positive. We got behind the team. We got the result. But it was a that that sub context of right yeah. But come on now. We played our part. You play your part. I mean, and I was I was absolutely gutted to miss it yesterday. You know, like, like you said, when I think I sent you boys a text message in the morning saying I'm, I really want to be there because you, you just know that the atmosphere is going to be buzzing. And like you said, we're bottom of the league, got no point. We've got very few points. We've been terrible. We've just been to, just seen us just seen us pump seven nil in the week, uh, and and yet I still wanted to be there and involved in the atmosphere. And it, honestly, the pictures for, the pictures on the internet from uh, Twitter and it looked like there was more than fifteen hundred there to me. That that stand holds about three thousand. It would look three quarters full unless they were spaced out. It, it looked and sound sounded from from that like it was absolutely hammered. And you know the atmosphere is going to be buzzing, and and it, it was a great goal. And you know, like, like you said, uh, McGay he seemed to show things up at the back and. You know, there's a tiny bit of hope that we might not get relegated. I still feel that it's we're going to be right in it right to the very end. I don't think we're going to be pulled clear and, and be comfortable at any stage. But it, but maybe we can, might be able to fight. Um, still difficult to see where the goals come from in it. You know, if uh, like you said, Hallam Hope ran, ran around a lot and caused a lot of trouble. That's good. But he doesn't score many, does he? Um, so I guess that's that's the worry. But yeah, great finish. Really loud cheer that you could hear. From, from the stands you know top day out and like you said with Abdallah being there you know it's a good question Matt what does he feel like I don't want him to feel you know he's a human at the end of the day and I can feel empathy for him I don't want him to feel you know really awful I don't, I don't, I don't want the man to be you know feeling sick to his stomach and devastated but at the same time I've been feeling sick to my stomach and devastated at the thought of getting relegated out of the football league so He's, he's got to understand that his decisions have contributed to us being in that position. The whole, you know, McGahey registration issue. But what, what's interesting about, about that for me is, the same with Luke Weiler, is it appears as though they've both renegotiated terms. I'd like to know if Luke Weiler and McGahey are only, one, one, only on one-year deals now instead of two-year deals, or how have we come to an agreement on, on signing those two players? It's that sort of level of administration running the football club. That's what we're all really, really annoyed about. And because it's been run so badly, that's why we're bottom of the league. So he's got to take responsibility for it. But I still can feel empathy for him, perversely. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, I think that kind of thing, you know, how we respond like that to other people says a lot more about ourselves than it does about, any, you know what I mean, anybody else. And we've said this numerous times. We want him to leave the football club because he's not doing well and it's not going well. But we don't want him, we don't want him to be under a cloud. We, we, we want the best outcome for everybody because that's yeah. just what decent people want for other people and we're decent people. So 
you know, we want to be able to, to to sit down and say, what's the best outcome for this football club? And what's the best outcome for everybody involved? We don't need the situation where people are blaming each other, where we've got directors of the football club coming out and saying fans are killing the club. All that does is stalking up antagonistic feelings and behaviours. We don't need the owner of the football club coming out and saying similar things that and blaming fans and blaming this that, and the other. It's just a, a reality check is like, where are we at? What needs to be done? Because there can be no doubt in anybody's mind watching yesterday, Rochdale fans watching, whether it be the board at Rochdale, whether it be our board, whoever it was, looking on and saying, those fans deserve a lot better. Because we are a credit to our town. We're a credit to our football club. And we're, we're I mean, I've got to give a little shout out to this kid <laughs> who was in front of me yesterday. His dad. His little brother and this kid, he must have been about 10. And he was so into it. He was chanting. He was like singing. And then as we got down to like the last 10 minutes of the game, he, every single key, he's going absolutely spare, screaming, like, ah, just like, you know, he's like throwing his head in front of him, throwing himself in front of every ball. He was going mental. Everyone around us was like laughing their heads off at this kid because he, he's the passion. He's there in his Oldham kit, last season's kit. And his little brother's next to him. He was, he was getting into it and all, but nothing compared to this kid. And I'm just, we're watching him and just like, look at how much he loves this. Look how desperate he is that we don't concede. And we hit the, they hit the bar, didn't they, in the last minute. Yeah. And this kid's lo losing his mind. And the passion from it, it was just, it was just incredible to watch. It, it was just like, that's what it's all about. This kid is what it's all about. Yeah. He's 10 year old, he's never seen anything. But he's, he's absolutely, he was just, he was so, he was obsessed. He was like, it was so into it. Yeah. And I remember, I remember being a kid. I remember being a bit like that as well. Like just kind of like it meant everything to him. And, and he was so happy when we hung on and didn't concede and won the game. It was brilliant. Yeah. And I think everybody's probably got a little bit of a story like that around them yesterday, the the people and, and, and the sights and the sounds and everything. It was a, it was a special day, but you know, beating Rochdale shouldn't, shouldn't be massively special. It used to just be something that you'd expect, you know, and we need to go on a run. And and you mentioned about the squad and about having, you know, McGee back. And, and like I said already, Benny Kuto had a fantastic game. Luke Weiler looked more solid than he in the back. He, you know, he made punches and, parried shots and made things look relatively easy and calm in there. But the problem is, is, is the squad's depth and what happens when we, when we get one or two injuries is that, you know, if McGee gets an injury again, straight away, we're like really, really vulnerable. So it's, it's just, you know, we need a good run, don't we, of, of luck and, and a good run of results just to try and steady the ship a bit. And then maybe we can take a bit more of a deep breath, but I mentioned the fact that we did the uh, survey just because I was just thinking there about how people are, you know, are going to react. You know, things tend to be a bit more positive, don't they, after a win? But I think the overwhelming sense is 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 still that things need to change. And don't, I don't think that I don't think that even if we went on a ten match winning run, that would that would change, would it? No, I think what you what we've found over the last three years is that you can have that bit of good news or like a good result but it's generally followed up by another ridiculous bit of news coming out of the club. You know, I mean, I guess I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, turn it to any positives into negatives, but I mean, you know, you look at, you look at the situation with the club at the minute and, you know, you know, we've got 
appointments that need to be made in terms of staff, you know, and important positions as well, like, you know, with the um, finance director as well that, that's leaving. And the, these are crucial roles that, that need to be filled within the club. So you, you just want to make sure that we don't need any more hiccups off the pitch. You know, let's, 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 just, let's just have a week when we can just enjoy a win and have no controversy coming out of the club. You know, and, and unfortunately, they've shown that over the last three years, they're not really capable of having that sustained period where they keep getting things right, which is all tantamount to the fact that they're not great at making decisions. They're not great at making good decisions. So what do you think why. the relevance of Abdallah being back in the country is? What, 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 why do you think he's back? I don't know. We've had this discussion, haven't we? Like, it's hard to say, whether, you know, is he coming back to, I was going to say, is he coming back to address the fans? He's not, he's not addressed the fans yet. It's all been very, you know, under the radar, hasn't it? He's not. He's not sort of announced that he's going to be at the game. He's not. He's not spoken to fans. You know, there's been the odd picture flying around on social media and being at the club. You know, we saw pictures of him chatting with Curl yesterday, which by the sounds of it's probably the first time that they've met in person. The, the dream would be that he's come back to have negotiations with somebody over selling selling the club. You know, and I, and I think from a foundation perspective, I'm sure that you would want to be party to any of those conversations, given the shareholder you've got. Yeah, what he hasn't. I mean, I know he wrote he wrote the open letter to the foundation, but it was it was an open letter to the foundation. It wasn't a letter to the fans. He's been on Talksport, but he's he's not sport to the fans. He's not sat down in front of a camera or anywhere else and looked fans in the eye and said, "This is my message to you, just all the fans, the fan." <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, it should be if if he, if he wants to, if he wants if he if he's intent on remaining. And he's not he's not prepared to sell and he wants to continue, then the best thing you could do is come on our podcast and have a chat to us. We'll, we'll, we'll fire questions at him. We'll be respectful. We won't be rude. Like we've been with every every guest we've had on. We've had Barry on. <laughs> we, we treated him with respect as well. He should come on in. We'll just chat to him. And we'll, and we'll, we'll chat about everything that, 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 that needs to be chatted about from the beginning to the present day. You know, the invitation's open, Abdallah. Come on, come on our podcast and have a chat if you're intent on staying. I mean, I, I like that idea. Steve, are you thinking the same thing I'm thinking when Andy says that? More, more than likely, yeah. Based on the conversation <laughs> that we've had with him already? Yeah, yeah. I think I'd be... I, th- I think the angle for me is probably more that, you know, if he wants to come on and chat, then, then great, come on and chat, you know. If fans were to hear the same thing that we heard on the call that we had with them, then I'm not entirely sure that it would help the situation. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm almost certain that it wouldn't help the situation. Um, I'd, I'd pref- probably prefer to go down the route of saying, well, explain how you're going to facilitate the exit, you know, and the sale of the club. That, that, would, be my, that would be my angle. I think that's, that's what fans would, would want, you know, an admission that it's not working and that, things need to change and that, um, you know, the club is up for sale and, and just, you know, wait for all the offers to come in, which I'm, I'm absolutely 100% certain that they would do. Mm. On a lighter note, anyway, uh, you, <laughs> talked about, you, talk, you talked about Bahambula um, maybe struggling for fitness. Did you see some of his uh, social media exploits after the game? He was he was kicking a ball around in the car park with fans. His post on Twitter, I thought, was, well, it was brilliant. I know we're struggling right now, but the way you supported us today from the first to the last minute only gives us one desire, put our club in its place. You're like, go on, he's a right, he's a right lad, isn't he? <laughs> he's, he's, bought into, he's definitely bought into it, hasn't he? There's no, yeah, no I question just, about I just, 
I just, I just think he's, there's something that is very likable about about the, the the young man, and he, yeah, he's he's a cult hero, and he, I, I don't, I'm not sure exactly how you know he can he can be amazing in, in fits and starts, can't he? But you know, on, on for a large parts of his uh, his performances are pretty anonymous, I think. But he's he's a good he's a good lad. I, I like having him around and in the team. It, it does it does lighten the mood a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, we need. I mean, yeah. we need that, don't we? And and it's been a while. I think over the last, like, because of the fact that people, players don't stay at the club for very long, it's very very difficult to to get that kind of cult status, um, like Peter Clark did, for example, and Jose Baxter. And there's you know there's been a few over over the years, um, recent years, but it's it's more and more difficult. Isn't it? And 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 like you said, I think he loves being loved, doesn't he? He really loves being loved, and. It's like give him a bit of love, and his natural character is to just show love back, and it's just it is quite it is very heartwarming, and it is nice, and you know, and also Keeler Dunn's response to scoring the goal yesterday, and the whole team like just peeled away and just ran to to the away fans and celebrated in front of the in front of the fans, and 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 there was a massive outpouring of of emotion, and obviously it was his first goal of the season, and. Uh, Dylan and um, and and Keeler Dunn were up front for us last season, and they, and they got plenty of goals. Hopefully, at some point that that form will kick in again. For me, I think we have to. We're gonna have to press teams if we're gonna win games. We're gonna we're gonna have to go up and down the pitch as a as a unit. Like we can play five at the back, but we there was times yesterday when it was so frustrating. It was like push out when they, they were. When Rochdale were putting us under the cost the last ten minutes, sitting deep and 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 not pushing out and 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 making the Rochdale forwards come up the pitch with us, you know, and just allowing it to, we're going to have to press defenses and put them under pressure and and, and make them make mistakes and take the ball off. When you've got likes of Keeler Dunn and Bahambula, who, when they get the ball, especially if they pick up on a mistake, can can get through. Keeler Dunn's great when he's when he's when he's through on goal, but he's not getting that opportunity very often. And I'd like to see us pressing. And putting teams under pressure because we don't have that long ball, we, you know we we have to find a style of play that's going to work for us. And and for me, it would be drilling the team, getting them as fit as possible, and having and playing a high press game and and really getting organised in terms of moving them back and forth up that pitch as a unit. Um, because we got away with it yesterday, but you can't afford to just keep sitting back like that and allowing teams to come on to us. It'll you know and, and winning games one nil. I don't think we're, I don't think we're good enough defensively to. To maintain that, I think a better against a better team yesterday, we'd, we probably would have conceded that lead, and and it would have been very frustrating. But you know, we've got to have we've got to have faith in Keith Curl, and a lot of fans don't. Do you think? Do you think he, that Keith has got the tactical? Is he going to be able to get the best out of the squad he's got? Is it is it a case of like as the season goes on that that things will get a bit better because he figures it out, he figures his team out, he gets to know his players better? Do you think that he's got that? Or what I mean, Harry Kuehl got sacked, didn't he? I mean, he was a manager that I don't think had that in terms of the finer points of of, of putting a, you know, of, of making a squad work. But Curl's more experienced; he's been around the block a bit more. Do you think we'll, do you think we'll see that going forward? I, I can't say I'm hugely convinced by three five two. That's not to say I don't like it as a formation. I think it's probably more just the personnel that he's got. He's sort of trying to fit players into into that system. When they're perhaps not not really cut out for it, you know. I don't think Pierre Gianni's cut out for a three-five-two. He might he might he might look slightly better with someone like McGay next to him, but I certainly don't think that you know. It, I don't think we look. I don't think we look generally solid with that formation. I think that 
his track record speaks for itself, you know. But then the, I guess you fall back onto that argument of recruitment, don't you? Like, you know, is has the, has the recruitment been good enough? And, you know, you, you probably have to argue, you probably have to argue, no, it's not. You know, I think we, we are lacking. I don't necessarily look at us and see how we're going to continually break teams down. You know, I don't see where the where the goals are coming from. I don't, I'm not I'm not seeing a three four nil performance. If we have to grind it out and get results, then you know I'm fine with that. But we can't keep relying on you know a moment of quality, can we, to win us games or or, or a mistake or something like that. You know, I think I think we need to I think we need to start playing to our strengths a bit more. I don't really see you know when you've got someone like Nicky Adams. I appreciate he's injured at the moment. But I don't think we necessarily play to his strengths in like getting balls into the box. You know, we don't we don't we don't tend to do a lot of that. You know, and I'm sure well, we did against be... Bradford, but we had nobody in the box. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know that seems to be the that seems to be the um, the plan. Get it out wide, and we will get balls in. But there was no one there when we did. So it was, and then we've not in the games I've seen, we've not played like that since. No, and, and it's funny. Like when I went when I was at the Brentford game, like you could see every single time they went forward when they got it on when they got it on on the flank on either one of the flanks. Like there were we counted me, me and Dan were there, and we kept counting. There was five people in the box. Every single time. Mm. Uh, now I appreciate you leaving yourself up, but you know, as long as you, those, these are fit players that can get back. But they were just loading the box, and that, that was even at that was even at five six nil. They were doing that, you know, and I don't necessarily think we do that. We, we tend to have either one or none in the box. This is what this is what I was alluding to before when I was saying about having that press moving up and down the pitch as a unit. It's his league too. Defenders will, if you put pressure on defenders when they've got the ball, they'll make mistakes. If you put pressure on players when they've got the ball, you'll make mistakes. And when um, Wellens came in and took over from Sheridan, that's how we played. That, that When we went on that run, we pressed and we and we put teams under pressure, we nicked the ball back and then we then we got forward in numbers. It caused all kinds of mayhem. That's how, that's how I think with the team that we've got, we haven't got a target, man. We can't play it long. I think we're, we're, it's going to have to be like getting that team well drilled to all know their jobs, to keep good shape and, and press teams um, and don't let them play and don't give them the time to play and, and start stealing the ball further up the pitch and, 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 and getting in on goal that way. Admittedly, we've got a lot of injuries. I, I suspect Curl would rather have Adams out on the right and Hart out on the left and then play Clark, McGay and Pierre Gianni. But Kuto... Like I said, that, that brilliant game looks like a real, real prospect. He's only second year, second year scholar, Kuto. He's, he's not even a he's not even a pro yet. I don't think. Yeah, second, second year scholar. So you, well, you want to get him? You want to get him on a contract quick, don't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had a very impressive game yesterday. He really did. But you know, it's up to Keith Curl and it to figure all this stuff out. But it's nice to come away from yesterday thinking, you know what, we might <laughs> have enough. <laughs> To stay in the division, because I don't think up until I don't think up until yesterday I've seen. Well, I know for a fact <laughs> I hadn't seen enough in any performance to suggest that we had. So, I'll, if we're talking about positives, that's a big one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, 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 I'll still take I'll still take third bottom off you now if you give it to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, so yeah. I mean, if you if we're, if we're looking at so, that, so there's the positives of, of the week in there. Um, so you review the Dale match just out of interest. What was the what was it like from the Rochdale supporters with the protests and the banners and the t-shirts and stuff? Because did it vary from Brentford in the week? 
I don't know. He kind of. I, I didn't really notice much, to be honest. So we weren't in for the fourth minute because obviously the, the, the situation with the with the turnstiles. So I'm not sure how full the ground actually was for that. From the people that I spoke to, I mean, they, they were largely supportive. Probably, probably not supportive as you know. I think you look at the Orient fans who went down there; they were unbelievable. I think after the Brentford game, I think with everything that happened, you know, obviously with the people having the banners taken off them and stuff like that. I think after the after the get, you know, in the in the days following the game, the support from the Brentford fans I thought was superb. You know, a lot of them were up, upset by the, how their club had acted, and I, I don't think I don't think the Dale fans were that necessarily that positive towards it but then again they just lost the game 1-0 and you know they might, might not be feeling that magnanimous to be honest but ba- Bannon's got into the ground did they you saw the Abdallah Bannon's unfurled did you at Rochdale that, that weren't obviously um, present at Brentford because they've been confiscated yeah there was banners in the ground it was like you know was people wearing the wigs and stuff like that and the atmosphere was the atmosphere was really good and, and I think that yeah in the in the build up to the game you know, we, we'd spoken to Rochdale and they, they'd sort of said they just let us know that, that it was going to be absolutely fine for people to take stuff in as long as it as long as it's not offensive. Yeah, it was well well received. I think it was well received, but yeah, pr- perhaps not quite to the level that that, that we had at Brentford and Orient. So obviously we've got the Brentford wash up, which we recorded pre uh, midweek. Latics got to the third round of the AFL Cup. And got absolutely dicked <laughs> by Brentford 7-0. Um, there's actually a couple of things that we need to talk about. There's Andy's direct <laughs> director's box dispute, let's call it, and Steve's um, Twitter letter. Well, I don't know who wants to start. We got murdered, so there's absolutely no point. I mean, Steve, it sounds like you actually watched the game a bit more than Andy did because Andy was preoccupied. But uh, Steve... I yeah. always I always like to think that a Latics team will when they when they face higher league opposition will always at least put up a good account of themselves. They'll battle, they'll do the best, they'll hang in the game for maybe sixty minutes and then the, the you know, the, the quality will show. And even if they end up losing by three goals, you you can always just say, Well, by the end of the game, you know, they hung on, they battled, it was inevitable, you know. I don't get the feeling that this was anything like that. No. I think that I think the game that me and me and me and Dan drove down during the day. I know this is probably what a lot riled me up even more is that driving driving down and then driving back straight after the game and getting back at like about four in the morning or something. You know, it's not it's not great, is it? When you've just been pumped seven nil. No, it's a real effort, isn't it? It takes a lot of effort and energy well, it, to do. It's annoying. It's annoying. If we'd have stayed over, I might not have been annoyed. Because you just think, oh, we have a few beers and you go to bed. But knowing that I had to drive down and drive back, literally the same day, was just was, was a bit of a pain. But like we, we were said, like, what's the cutoff on this? Is it like if it if it walks away from that three nil, or even four nil, and just scored a couple of last minute goals just to make it look a bit more flattering, we probably could have gone. You know what? So we've not lost anything there. We were expecting to get beat. We put we put a bit of a show in. You know, we've we've dug in. I think what annoyed me about choose this game was that like it was it was calamitous from start to finish like at no at no point did we really cause them any problems Vaughan, Vaughan had a shot that got uh, sorry uh, Kuto had a shot that got tipped over by the keeper I think and, and, and I don't want to go in on on the team because you know we know we all know about the 
circumstances that we're working under. But I just didn't see any effort at all. Like, I think at one point, like, someone tried to, I think it was Diara and maybe Fage or something like that, and they, they went to run away with the ball and, like, they, bumped, they banged into each other and fell over. And I just thought, oh, gee, like, you know, you're, you're a home fan, like, watching it. You're just like, way, And the old ladies came out in about the 73rd minute. And it was just, you're just watching it and you think, you know what, I've followed Latics and I've always felt like we've, we've put, a, a, we've shown fight and we've shown like, it means something to us. I think from minute, from minute one, like I just, the, the, the body language, shoulders were slumped, heads were down. And it was just, I mean, they don't get me wrong, they were, they were excellent. You know, there's clearly a brand of football that runs through that club. That they all buy into and you know there's a massive wave of momentum with them having the ground and you know the fact that they started the season pretty well and but I just I, I, I didn't I other than the fans I don't think we gave a representation of, of what this club is about and that was that was the most disappointing thing for me but for anyone who hasn't seen what you wrote on Twitter like you said about Brentford having a brand of football and it's not an accident, is it? They've not just like tripped and fallen over and landed in the Premier League. This is something that has has been ongoing and building for a while. And it's a direct result of the of, of the leadership and of the strategy and of the planning and of the detail and in the investment and all those things that have, you know, Andy has, has, has researched um, by by getting in touch with BG United and, and, and having Stuart Purvis on our podcast. What's what we've been doing? We've been building up this resource of knowledge. And I thought your analogy was really, really good, Steve, the comparison that you made, you know, we, we played it against a team, like you said, that had a real identity, that is, is a project which is really going well. And you, the analogy you gave was that our identity on the pitch against Brentford was summed up equally by our leadership style and, and who leads us. Do you want to just explain what you said? Because it was really, it was really good comparison, I thought. Yeah, I just said that the the performance on the pitch was was sort of symbolised what's going on off the pitch and the leadership we've got. You know, for me leadership filters down from the very top of an organisation. If, if, if they buy into it and they have a vision and a plan, then they communicate that plan in, in, a, in, in a, the right way. Then everyone else buys into it and goes on that journey with them. And unfortunately, we've done that. But the guy who's at the top of our organisation is uh, um, shambolic, essentially. Um and I just saw that there was there was there was finger pointing. There was no one wanting to stand up and make a difference. Um, there was no there was no passion. There was no fight. There was no heart. There was there, I, I just and I just thought you know what like when we were on when you know as you know Matt <clears throat> we were on the call with Abdal the other week and he was he doesn't take responsibility for anything anything nothing's his fault and if you're the leader of our organisation and that's your attitude then. It's only going to go one way, and and I and I saw that on the pitch, and and I and I just I looked at them and I looked at us, and you could just see it, you know, like we we were fighting out, you know, bloody like nil nils and one nils and one alls in the middle of League One a few years ago, and they've just skyrocketed up, and we've we've you know we've fallen down the leagues, and 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 that isn't 
that isn't a coincidence. You know, people can say the look it's off Matthew Benham. You make your own look, I think, with something like this. And um, and yes, and I, and I woke up. I woke up on Wednesday morning after about two and a half hours sleep, and somehow managed to find myself even more annoyed than I was. You know, post game driving back up um, the M6. Um, and yeah, you know, I just felt like I had to write something. I needed, I needed to get it off my chest. It felt, mm. it felt therapeutic. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's totally understandable. I mean, Andy, when you were talking to Stuart Purvis, and when when we spoke about it after, like you said, Brentford no bigger a club than Lattice. Lattice were a bigger club than Brentford, and back in uh, back in the day. And all right, people say, oh yeah, well they're in London. Well, there's other teams in London that. Not all teams in London are Chelsea and Tottenham and, and Arsenal, are they? It's not. It's not just that. It's the fans took responsibility, didn't they? And they and they and they put in a real effort. And yeah. that's where we're at now, isn't it? It's this is this is the conversation that I'm having with people, and people get in touch. You, you know yourself, Steve. People get in touch. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? <laughs> well, why don't you do something, mate? <laughs> Instead of just yeah. sending me an email saying why don't you do this? You know, the more people that, that that make an effort and roll the sleeves up, because like you said, you make your own look. And and Brentford have done, and and other clubs around them, like Wimbledon and even Stockport. I know they've not had a great start to the season, and, and Pompey, who took control, built their trusts got good investors. I mean, I've had an email from someone in Australia uh, and, and he, he's come back again with that same old, I, you know, he's, he's been perfectly nice to chat to. I'm not having a go at him and what any stretch of the imagination. What I'm saying is he's saying, yeah, but if Abdallah leaves, who's going to come in? It's that old argument again. It's like, look at all the teams around us that when they were pushed up against it, the fans said enough's enough. We've got to get rid of this person. Someone has always stepped in. It's always yeah. happened, hasn't it? And more often than not for the better. And, uh, yeah, and, and on that, like, well, <clears throat> let's let's you know, let's chat about the wording that we're using here. We're not we're not we're not saying Abdallah walk away. No, we're, we're saying Abdallah sell the club. Yeah, you know, and we're, we're asking him to to look at the bids that have been made in the past. And he says no serious bid has been made. Well, not not serious bid in his eyes, but in the eyes of what he's essentially buying, what would they essentially buying? It is a serious bid. They've obviously looked at it and gone out. You know, they've not said, "All oh, right, I'll give you, you know, I'll give you seven pound eighty-five that I've got in my pocket and an out-of-date bag of quavers." You know, the 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 the, the putting a serious bid in for the football club, and we're not asking them to walk away. We're asking them to to put the club up for sale to attract bidders and and work with the likes of the foundation and the likes of us to say. We will, you know, we will help you facilitate this sale. We will work with the person that wants to come in. Mm-hmm. We will decide as groups, and you as, as you know, as the foundation of shareholders, whether they are right for this football club. We exactly. will facilitate your exit because it's clear that it's not going to get any better. You don't want to be here as much as he says he does. So let's let's we'll help you sell the club. And well, that's that's why we went. That's why we did the phases, Steve. That's why we said, look, phase two for us. You know, which were obviously inevitably creeping further to closer to was look, we'll help you sell the club. Let us help you get the best deal you can. Let's let's all try and come out of this with some with something, with some credibility and, and help the long term future of the football club. Phase three for us was if he won't go and he persists to 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 carry on sort of running the club the way he is, then we have no choice but to 
you know, sort of like insist he sells the club against his wishes, if you like. But we don't want it to come to that. Like you said, the football club is an attractive proposition to the right buyers. We obviously have to have a conversation with the landlord and all that kind of stuff. But as well, that's something, you know, it does make things a little bit more difficult. Don't it? Someone who's coming in is probably going to want both, which is yeah. understandable. Um, but, you know, the football club is only worth a certain amount of money, regardless of how much he's put in. He's not going to get that yeah. back. He, he presumably accepts that. It's just a case of how much he's he's prepared to to lose, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Um, and then we we um, sort of pushed the boundary. We we emailed the club yesterday. So we emailed Abdallah and we emailed Adam Morley and we said, "Listen, like, what what bids would you entertain? What 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 is what is this football club worth to you? What would you sell it for? And what what is the price? You know, what's the director's loan?" What's the debt for it? What's you know? What's the price if somebody wants to take the debt on? What's the price if somebody doesn't want to take the debt on? And you know, you know what? We might not get a response, but you may as well put it out there and say, well, you know what? If you, if you really do want help, then we'll help. To, to, to be fair, we had we had Rob Turner on as a guest last week, and that's that that was that was you know when Rob was putting some of his points forward, that was one of the things he said, which is is it is now the time to try to facilitate that? And he was asking Matt the question, are you are you at stage two yet? Uh, so you, th- these these things I think are probably um, you know coming to a head, aren't they? They're going to have to um, because the the, the protest we've protested now at Leighton Orient, we protested uh, at, at the last home game, we protested at Brentford. There's going to be more at Rochdale. It's not stopping now, is it? it, it, it this is it. The the, the the snowball effect is taking hold and it would take monumental effort on behalf of the owners to, to even think about reversing uh, uh, even part of that, let, let alone all of it, which yeah. I don't think he's got the wherewithal to do, uh, all the funds, or probably even the fight, so it, it would it would be sensible now to start having those conversations. So hopefully, hopefully they will. And yeah. arguably, Andy not got the team around him either. You know, the, you know, when you look at the we look at the board of directors at the football club, it's it's tiny. Richard Borden, Adam Morley, Mohammed, um, and Abdallah. Now Abdallah's back in the country. Mohammed's in Germany. So you've never got the full contingent in the country all at once. And that's it. You know, you, that's the board of directors. Um, it's not exactly a, a team, is it? I mean, no, Carl's obviously the CEO, but he's not on the board. Shahed's not on the board. He's the finance director. He's leaving. But it's not a sufficient, sufficiently qualified and I would say a sufficiently motivated bunch of people. And no. it's... I've got this, I had this image when you were saying about stopping it of like, you know, the way like in a film, like either like a train and they slam the brakes on or they, they put the propellers in reverse on a, on a big boat. And it's just all that momentum, all that energy going in a certain way. And this, how hard you would have to power back in order to stop it. The, the way that the things are at the minute, I just don't feel there's enough energy on yeah. the opposite side to be able to push against the momentum that's going the other way. You look at like you look at the traction as well that, that there is on social media and in national media and you know in magazines and and you know local news. It, it, there's no, I don't think it will stop because this, you know, whilst whilst you've got that momentum and pe- people are interested, people want to hear about it. You know, you look at the support that we've got from other clubs, other fans. You know, people are really buying into this momentum that we've got and. 
I, I, personally, I don't, I don't think you could be on the board of directors and sit there and say, you know, you know what, Abdallah, like, I, I think all you just need to do is write this out and you'll be fine. Like, these, I think these people, you know, if they're, they're, they're to quite a phrase, if they're an in, you know, intelligent man, they will, they will be saying to Abdallah, like, you, you, um, you know, now, now's the time to sell the club. You know, this is not, it's not words. It's not going to get you better. The momentum's against you. Everything's against you. Like, take a step back from this and think that this isn't working for you. Don't dig your heels in because you're just going to end up in an even worse situation. I was thinking this morning on, on the way into work, how am I, as the foundation and as the podcast and as Push the Boundary and as Oldham Athletic, we've all got one thing in common and that's our target audience. We, you know, we, we, we deal with exactly the same audience, which is Latics fans. Um, and potentially they're a difficult audience to please in some ways and in other ways they're not. And I was just thinking about how hard you have to work to please your audience, to keep people happy, how, how the, what the demands are on the foundation, even on the podcast and on Push the Boundary, how hard we work to try and get out content to be relevant to be reactive to say the right things to do the right things do we always get it right no we don't but we work really hard to try and do the directors and and the people at the top level of the football club really work as hard and as passionately on the right things as we do and i don't think they do because i think if they did they either they either do spending too much time it's the old 80 20 thing in it you know, where are they putting their efforts? Where are they putting their energy? Because I, I, I just do not believe it's, 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 it could have been that hard to have put their energy into the right thing, to have been able to communicate and, and, and open up channels. And because we've done it, we've done it. Yeah. And we're working yeah. with exactly the same people. Our audience is exactly the same. People generally, no, you know, not to say that we're to everybody's taste, of course we're not, but generally, people like us generally people give us time and the time of day and respect our efforts because they see that we are putting a lot of time and effort in and, and that our motives and intentions are, 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 are good everyone i think it's the same target audience if they if they thought that the club and people within the club were doing the same surely their feelings would be the same towards them so what's what's the difference between what we're doing and what they're doing? I, I, I think one of the main differences which is one of the one of the most unanswered questions is what is Abdallah's motive? I, I, I don't understand it. I, I'm, I'm still entirely unclear as to why a seemingly successful man who is a Moroccan national living in Dubai to lovely, nice, warm places <laughs> would possibly want to dump, you know, millions of pounds on a failing low league football club that doesn't own any hard assets in a very cold, dark and wet part of Northern Europe. I can't, I, I can never, I can never reconcile the why bit. You know, if, if, if you're a mad nut Latics fan, there's the why you've got it straight away. The motive is clear. If, if you're doing it because you're investing money into a project, because maybe you want to redevelop the land into houses or into, into you know, part into houses or into, into a hotel or something. There's your motive, Blitz et al. There is a motive to their purchase in 2004. For the life of me, I still haven't worked out what it is that brings Abdallah to own our football club. Why on earth did he buy it? 
and 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 until that question is answered, that I think that that is one of the main main problems. It's like almost like the elephant in the room, or one of them, which is what's he doing this for? Um, and then of course he doesn't do it well, even when he does do it, and so he's not doing it well, and we're at our lowest step in danger of going out of the football league, and 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 everyone and there's an avalanche of outpouring against his his ownership, and yet he still belligerently carries on. Why? <laughs> I don't get the why. No. And, and that and that really is the thing that 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 that, that I just I cannot I cannot reconcile. And, and I think and a lot of people deal with the same issue, especially when you look at the situation. And, and he comes out and he makes a statement. He says, "I want to work with supporters. I don't want to work against them." And then the next day, he takes tickets off sale for home and away fixtures. And it's like you know, it's it's like you're doing one thing or saying one thing and doing the other, you know, and if you, if you did genuinely want to work with supports, then that, that wouldn't be your next like part of call, would it? Well, you, 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 you presume at this moment in time, because the, because the avalanche of outpouring is, 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 you know, taking hold that they're, they're reacting really badly to situation that they're panicking, they're worried, like what's the protest going to be like, you know, like, is there going to be problems? And, and of course they've not staffed it properly. You've got part-time people running ticket offices that are resigned. They've got, you know, the, it's, it's just, it's just a monumental mess, isn't it? The operation of it. And then, you know, again, I referred to Rob Turner's on last week, Rob, Rob said quite rightly for the Harrison McGahey and Jason Luke wider registration issues, is that not the job of the secretary? To which my answer was, who employs the secretary? <laughs> you know, everything comes back to the point that you just made earlier on, which is it's about leadership. The people who lead the business set the culture for the business. I, I, I work in a business where I've got to do the same for the people that work for me. So I know what it's like. You've got to set, you've got to set a standard for everyone to follow. You know, uh, I'm not saying everyone gets it right every day, but if if there's if there's the wrong leadership and the wrong decisions being made and he's made the employment you know you think about the chief exec thing like you know when they first came mark moisley was chief exec or managing director they keep interchanging the the, the job titles which is because they bin them off and they can't reapply someone with the same title immediately for compensatory purposes i assume so you, you it was mark moisley was the chief exec managing director then they didn't have one for ages they didn't have one so it's basically just Abdallah was doing it, like you know, like as he was going, and I, presumably Barry was pseudo helping. Then they employed Natalie Atkinson, and she gets binned off. Then they got, then they get Carlin. He, he's had about, he's had about three or four goals at this now. He's got to take and own hundred percent responsibility for the for the employment of the people that are running the business. And if they're not running it well, then that, then that's as much his problem as any. Though it's his fault for employing the wrong people, or his fault for not giving his people the right direction. I think that I think that is the, I think that is one of the key issues I, I, from the people that I've spoken to and I've spoken to a lot of the people that you've just mentioned you know off the record so I'm not saying anything in <laughs> any one person has said anything in particular well that is a key that's a key thing like you've already alluded to he's, he's in Dubai he's not day to day face to face those people that still have to look up to him, that he, that the, they don't have carte blanche to do what they want. The, the the boss, it's up to him. And when it comes to the the key top level decisions, he's not there, and and they're not building a relationship with him, and he's not dictating and creating the business in his image because that is his, that is his role, and that's why I thought it was actually pathetic when he wouldn't take responsibility. Steve, when me and you spoke to him, that's the word. It was pathetic. It was it was embarrassing and it was pathetic. You are the owner of that football club. It's your job. You're the boss. It's failing. It's your fault. 
end of story because if it was yeah. any other business if this podcast was shit and 10 people listened to it and everybody else hated it and it's like why do you bother putting this out it's offensive and all this then it'd be my fault <laughs> i wouldn't blame it on anybody else would i you know what i mean it's my fault on way on what night was it whatever brentford game you were a you were a guest in the uh in the posh seats at brentford weren't you uh what? i know you were as well steve but you were on your best behavior um and you um spotted somebody in the crowd didn't you who's somebody we've already spoke about this evening uh, a director of the football club and you thought that you know since you had your phone and your microphone in your pocket you might as well uh you might as well have a wander over and uh, and, and have a chat to him. So, shall we just have a quick listen to that audio first, and uh, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Adam, hi. Do you think Abdullah should sell now? Um, I, I think that's a matter for Abdullah. I think he should sell now, don't you? Um, like I say, it's a matter for Abdullah. This is the time for him to leave because you can hear the support in the stadium. We don't want him here anymore. So you, as his legal advisor should tell him to sell the club because we don't want him anymore, do we? I, I can hear you saying that, yeah. Yeah. Listen to them. No, 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 about 400 Oldham clear. fans have come down south today yeah. and are singing, we don't want him anymore. Get rid of him. I listen, I you're legal, you're legal, you're an intelligent man. I respect you and your, and, and, your, and, your, and your professional history. You, you, you should... I'm not abusing the man. Hey, hey, I'm not abusing him. I'm not abusing him. I'm asking him a question. I'm asking him a question. I'm not abusing him. I'm not abusing the man. Adam is saying it's fine. Adam, 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 seriously. It's fine. You're an intelligent man. It's fine, it's fine. You're an intelligent man. No, no, you're, you're an intelligent man. You should be advising him to sell the club, shouldn't you, by now? He's lo he's losing money, Adam. He's losing money. Look, I'll talk to you after, mate. All right, all right. I'll speak to you later. Cheers. So, Andy, you met Adam Morley, and it sounded quite uh, <laughs> an occasion for him and for you. <laughs> How was it? <laughs> Yeah, he's, I mean, he was he was all, he was all right, wasn't it? You know, uh, <laughs> I guess when when you were talking about the Brentford game, you know, the 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 game earlier, um, and Steve was sort of giving you his uh, feelings on it. I, I was just listening, thinking. I honestly, I saw the, their first goal go in, so the penalty, and and saw that go in, and then I didn't really watch the rest of the first half. I was there in person, but I didn't really watch it. I wasn't interested. I knew I knew where where the game was going, but even by that point. Um, and all I kept thinking about actually was this is going to be our Scarborough and sure enough we, we when in 89 we were 5-0 up at our time against Scarborough and beat them 7-0 and sure enough that, that's what Scarborough must have felt like and I was thinking that as, as the game progressed but anyway I, I just because I was in because I was in um, I was in the corporate area in the Brentford main stand uh, and because we'd heard rumours that Abdallah was in the country and returning to the game and I'd also had uh, confirmation that he uh, was supposed to be in the stadium, so I, his name was on a guest list. Uh, I fancied trying to find him, um, so yeah, I'd, I'd pack the microphone just in case I would get a chance to have a chat to him. As uh, is your civic duty. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we don't run it. If we're, if we're running part of a podcast team, we've got a job to do, right? So <laughs> exactly. 
Um, I, I, I basically spent the whole half scanning the rows of seats uh, to try and see if I could see him. Um, and, was, and it was reasonably full in that, that particular stand and there's quite a lot of seats to scan. So I spent... Steve says you had one of those, um, you know, the binoculars you have at the theatre on the little sticks. <laughs> because you are from that part of London, aren't you, yourself in the West? You know what I mean? Like, is that oh, true? Yeah, those on the back of all the seats. Is that a rumour? Oh, do they have them on the back of the seats at Brentford? Yeah, yeah, all right, yeah. OK. <laughs> they, 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 they were very well padded seats for sure, yeah. It's not, it's not like... Uh, that were like sitting on the wooden the wooden benches that are in the main stand or used to be in the looker stand when I sat in there. But um, yeah, no, I, I used my phone as a as a um, I used the zoom function on my phone to basically have a look up and down because I was looking up and down every row and and it took me it took me about twenty minutes to to to, to do it. So there, there were goals flying in and I didn't see any of them. <laughs> so I just looked up and down and then and then I saw uh, someone I thought I recognised. So then uh, I sort of watched for a little bit just to make sure, because he was sitting quite a way away. So just to make sure it definitely was him before uh, I made a beeline for him. And then my next decision was when, when to go and have a chat uh, and, you know, how to introduce myself and what to say, really. Um, so I, I, I sort of decided, I made a decision I had to get there before half time just in case he didn't return because we were getting pumped and he might not return anyway in the event he didn't return. Um, so that might have been a good decision, but he, he may not return because uh, I met him. <laughs> so, yeah, I just made my way down. I found where he was and I made my way down. But you, you'll see, there's a video we put out this this week just to sort of uh, promo it a bit. And you can see I'm leaning over a, like a, a balcony sort of wall. So it wasn't the most comfortable position to be in. Um, so, yeah. You know, it's not what, what can you say uh, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna spring someone who doesn't expect to be there and stick a microphone in the face. <laughs> what can you say? There's not an enormous amount I can say, and, and so I decided to just go with the obvious um, uh, sort of tack, which is he's his legal advisor. Should he not? Well, for the reasons we just described in a moment ago, should he not be advising him to sell, given the situation that the club's in, given uh, the outpouring and you know and I'd also given it enough chance for the for the chance to have been quite loud during a game and even on the video you can hear the Abdallah out chance going on so it was all about timing so I had, I had a go and I had a chat and um, you know he, he says what he says I've got to say to be honest um, I thought he dealt with it I thought he dealt with it very well um, he's, he's a lawyer He's probably a bit. He's, he's been in pretty sticky situation before. I thought he handled it very well uh, individually. He was very calm. Uh, he didn't. He didn't really panic. You know, uh, especially. I, I tried to be as polite as I could. I don't think I was rude. Uh, I certainly I wasn't. You know, going to be threatening. You know, I'm a, not an idiot myself, so I just wanted to put that question to him. So I think he. I think he assessed quickly that I wasn't a threat. Um, and and I got a little bit of little bit out of him. Uh, his his two mates next to him. One of them was uh, was reasonably quiet. The other one the other one was having a bit of a pop. So I had to sort of try and handle that situation while I was trying to ask questions. And I wasn't necessarily all that easy. But I didn't, and you can you can see on the video like I've sort of rear up a bit. I didn't know what he was going to do. Whether he was going to like have a reach, you know, swing or something. I don't know what he was going to do. So yeah, yeah, you know, I, I had a chat and uh, and and you've got you've got what we've got. Uh, and, and it was and obviously. <laughs> Uh, what comes after that then is we well, don't know, dear. I had no idea whether I was going to get ejected from the stadium or not. Um, you know, I tried to conduct myself in a manner which which would indicate that that I, I didn't warrant it. Um, I, I then returned back to my seats. Um, you know, stewards and security came over, took some details off me, and then at half time, um, somebody from who a gentleman that presented himself as like running the hospitality at Brentford uh, asked me to sort of leave the area and have a conversation with him. So I had a brief chat to him 
Um, obviously, he was trying to assess, I guess, uh, whether I was a, a continued uh, nuisance to them or not. Um, and, and I basically, when he asked me and he was trying to, he was trying to suss me out. I said to him, "Look, are you a Brentford fan?" Because you didn't know whether you're just an employee. And he said, "Yeah, I am." I said, "How long are you supporting for?" And he's like thirty years. I said, "Right, do you know Stuart Purvis is?" And he said, "Yeah." So we interviewed him on our podcast. I, I'm, I'm on a podcast, and that's what I was. That's what I was doing out there is into trying to get some audio for a podcast. I said, "We're going." You, you remember what it was like when Ron Knowles was running your club? Then he said, "Yeah, it was terrible." I said, "We are right in the epicenter of that storm." What is what happened to your club then is happening to us now. We're bottom of the football league. We could leave, we could exit football league and not return for a long time. We could go out of business. We we want our owners out. And that gentleman that I spotted is the legal advisor of our owner. And I wanted to make it clear to him uh, what we felt. And um I explained that. And he he said, Okay, I understand. I have empathy for your for your position. You just got to promise me you won't do it again in the second half and I'll let you stay. And I was like, I promise you I won't do it again. <laughs> Wouldn't have mattered anyway, because he didn't return. <laughs> so you, you you sort of that, that was, you know, I get you, the other question is some couple of people have asked me this week, you know, what did you what did you do it for? What, you, what were you expecting him to say something to you? Well, well, no, obviously not. And but what I was it, what I did want to convey was the message, you know, from us all, really. Like, I was like trying to be our fan representative by letting him know what we feel. Um, he could hear the fans, but of course, you know, it was a surprise to him for me to be leaning over a wall and asking him questions. Uh, and, and I just wanted him to go away from that uh, that experience and maybe ponder it a bit, you know, yeah. just think, Jesus, these guys mean it, don't they? They're really, really upset, you know. Even though I, I tried to remain calm and, and very very professional and pleasant. I wasn't rude. I didn't swear, all that sort of stuff. Um, I just wanted him to go away from that with a little bit of a jolt and nothing more. Um, you know, like I say, he, he handled himself very well. You couldn't really argue. He, when security were coming over and his mates were trying to get involved, he was saying to them, no, 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 look, 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 just let him talk, let him talk. I think he'd assessed the situation pretty quick. That I wasn't a threat. So, yeah, hopefully the message, hopefully we've got the message over and maybe he can go away and have a chat to Abdallah and say, look, these guys are serious, Abdallah. What, what, what do you want to do here? <laughs> I think there's a couple of points, Andy, from from that, and, and relating to the conversation that you had with the guy from Brentford um, about, and I'll mention this to Steve, uh, come back to this in a minute, about people, you know, supporting the cause, the Brentford fans getting on board. And then, obviously, there's a lot of conversations about on Twitter about Brentford stewards and things like that, taking banners off people and all that kind of stuff. So that's one thing. There'll be a school of thought of people saying, well, you know, he's watching the game there. He's in the corporate area. You know, he should be allowed to just get on with it. As soon as Adam Morley came on TalkSport Radio and accused us of killing the f- killing the club, I think he uh, he he legitimately lost his right to a peaceful, uh, peaceful view of the Brentford game. And, you know... Um, you know, I mean, he he basically attacked Oldham fans on the radio, <laughs> national radio, whereas you, you know, you just sided up to him in the stadium and, and asked him a question one-to-one. So I don't think there was any, any issue with what he did whatsoever. I've certainly taken more umbrage to what he said on, on TalkSport. I've obviously spoke to him since then, but, and, you know, it's like... You know, he's playing the game there, isn't he, when he's going on TalkSport saying that. He's playing the game. He's trying to deflect the... Um, you know that's that's why he's in. That's why he's, he is who he is, and he's a successful lawyer. That's what he does. That's what he does. But you were playing the game, weren't you, Andy? You're in exactly. the corporate box. You're a, you have a podcast. You see Adam Morley. You've got a microphone. 
you know, you're in the entertainment business and you're also in the in the fact-finding business and in the football club-saving business. And, and so, as far as I can see, you had every right to go up to him and, and ask him those questions uh, as long as you do so in a in a way that is, is befitting of of a gentleman. And, and you did that. And so, fair enough. Um, I think I'd have morally smart enough to know that that's what that was. And uh, hopefully that'll be that. I guess the only thing to end on would be what next for the foundation and PTB. So, you know, we've had uh, PTB, we've had all of the three sort of planned protests at the games. Um, they've all gone well, you know, um, Leighton Orient uh, at home and then at Rochdale. So what next in terms of the, you know, the, 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 the feeling and the protests? So, yeah, so there's other, um, there's other stuff that we've got planned. So that, that will, that will be announced in, in, due course um I, I think i think as a group we appreciate that, that the protest gets that, that local national attention which is which is incredibly important for what we're doing but we also have to start looking forward um and one of the key areas that, that, that we're trying to look at at the moment is is looking for prospective buyers you know we're, we're trying to sort of bring people to the table and say what, what would you be willing to pay for the club? We want we want to speak to the club and ask them, you know, what they think. What what is a, a is a reasonable bid for the club? Um, and just to try and join join the dots on that, really, because you know, there's no point in protesting every week if we're not if we've not got a contingency plan to facilitate the owner's exit. You know, so that's 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 a key focus for us. It, it's it's always been a multifaceted approach that we've wanted to take, and I think that's that's where the attention is going to going to switch to behind the scenes. That's not to say that obviously there won't be more protests and more voicing of our opinions within stadiums, etc. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's good to hear, isn't it? So you know, for, for everyone listening, that, that there, there's more to come and we, and we keep the pressure on in any way that we can in a lawful and respectful manner until we until we get some resolution to this. That's, that's good. So, I mean, from from foundation perspective, Matt, then I guess once you've got your survey, survey results through, then you'll regroup and then look at your stages again, stage one, two, three, four, yeah? Yeah, I mean, we've released a survey. I, I released a survey twice this week. <laughs> I made a bit of a balls of it first time around, uh, so I had to send it out again. But, you know, very, very clear questions in terms of off the back of the uh, off the back of the protest, off the back of the, the reaction from what's been going on. What do you want as members? Do you want Abdallah in or do you want him out? Um, can he do a good job? Can he save it? You know, just the fundamental questions and and asking the membership how and how they feel and taking that to the club and saying, look, this is how our members feel. This is where you're at with it. And fundraising, from our point of view, you know, raising money for the foundation now that we've got the start of a really credible membership number. You're now over a thousand members, so you've now got a serious mandate. You've got a mandate in the scale, at the scale of uh, push the boundaries for the first time in in living memory. <laughs> so I think that's an important point, isn't it? You know? Yeah. You know, we're trying to prioritise now that fundraising element and, and the new website's coming out soon. Abdallah has said that he was going to have a, a plan, a new three-year plan in place by the beginning of October. You know, we're rapidly approaching that deadline. In some ways, it, in some ways it doesn't matter what's in that plan because 
in terms of where the survey results are at now, fans don't believe <laughs> in terms of what we've seen in the protest, in terms of what happened at the game yesterday and outside Boundary Park against Hartlepool. Fans have made it very clear where they stand. Uh, certainly a significant proportion of the fans have. Is anything that, 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 that Abdallah says going to change their minds? That's up to him to say and it's up to him to deliver that and then and we'll, we, we can only respond when, when we see it. It's been very clear, we've spoken on the podcast many times, that what we needed was a supporters trust which worked closely with other fan groups. We've got that now. The foundation works closely with PTB. It works with, it's worked with the Atletico's. We're all on the same page. From the many interviews that you've conducted, Andy, about with other supporters foundations, you know, we need money in the bank. We need to be able to increase our stake in the club, ideally, so that we have more say in the crucial decisions that are made. So that's something that we're working towards, fan ownership, whether we can, you know, successfully own 100% of the club and fund it to the sufficient level. Probably not in terms of long term, but we can certainly be a lot more influential and make sure that the decisions that are made at the club are the right ones. That's what we need to be aiming for. We need to be aiming to increase our our stake from 3% up to 5 up to 10 etc, etc. The new version of Boardham Athletic needs to be different, and that's where we're focusing our energies now. And like Steve said, potential buyers are going to be sniffing around the club. There they are now. <laughs> sniffing around. Uh, it's not the neighbours more in the lawn, it's dogs. Potential owners are sniffing around. We've seen, Andy, from, from the interviews that we've done. When the club gets into this situation, people want to buy it. When they see a passionate fan base responding, they want to buy it. So that's what's happening now. And we need to have a bit of cash. We need to have a bit of money and to say, okay, well, we want to increase. The value that we have as fans cannot be underestimated. I think I think it is underestimated all the time. We have, the, we, have the, we have a lot of our fan base, our customer base, it has a monetary value. And it has more than just a monetary value. It has a value in terms of time and what we can contribute. And I think harnessing that and putting a value on ourselves as fans, as more than just people who turn up and pay 20 quid to get in or buy a season ticket, more it's more than that. We're worth more than that. There, there is a value on us as, as supporters that you can't even put a monetary value on. How can you put a price on that yesterday at Rochdale? You can't put a there's, There isn't a monetary value you can put on that. And I think that that has been undervalued, under-respected, and now is the time for us to show what we're worth as fans by raising money and by organising ourselves and becoming the real asset. A lot of talk about at Oldham about the hard assets, the stadium and the North Stand and all that, but we're the real assets because without us, they're just empty buildings and you might as well build houses on them. Do you know what I mean? So without us in there spending our money and and... and being passionate about our football club, it's all worthless. That's where we're at now. And I think that's the momentum that we need to to keep growing. Grow our membership to 2,000, to 3,000, to 4,000. Grow our influence across the town and, and really put us first. We are the most important thing about this football club. There is no further discussion. Boundary Park Alert System is produced and hosted by me, Matt Dean. Additional support and research is by Andy Halliwell and Steve Shipman. 
You can follow me on Twitter at MattDean78 and the show on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at OAFC Podcast. Don't forget to download the Fan Hub app and listen to the show there or by visiting oafcpodcast.co.uk where you can support the work we do by visiting our online merch store, read our blog and get in touch. If you'd like more information about Push the Boundary, visit pushtheboundary.co.uk and if you'd like to know more about Oldham Athletic Supporters Foundation, please visit trustoldham.org. Remember, this is your club and you can have it all, but how much do you want it? Thanks for listening.